LDB, 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 LDB. Good evening, LDB. We are back after a one week hiatus. I am your host, Chris Schutzer, joined by fellow host Matt Starr. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing well. Good to be back after a couple of weeks off. Yeah. And uh, I'm joined by also fellow host, but also special guest because he's the man of the hour, Mr. Michael Becker, uh, now with a ring on his finger. Mr. Becker, how you doing? Doing great. Doing great, guys. Mr. Uh, Michael uh, Dewer Becker. <laughs> oh, did you change your name? No, no, I, I did not. That is an ongoing conversation we're having. But uh, no, happy to be here, feeling good. So pumped for this, uh, this episode. What's the hesitation? Where's your, where's your feminist hat? No, I'm, I'm, I am willing. I am willing. These are just conversations that need to occur. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, uh, you know, my hope was that actually we would just hear from you for a little bit, Becker. Um, obviously, the last two weeks have been sort of eventful for you. And I'm, of course, talking about your LDB team. Yes. Uh, nothing yes. else has been going on at all. I was so. checking consistently <laughs> mid ceremony. Do Is you, Bryce Michael Harper Becker, in the lineup? Do you, Michael Becker, take Jazz Chisholm to be your double A <laughs> prospect? I do. I do. Absolutely. <laughs> no hesitation. Smartest decision I've ever made in my life. Give us your wedding highlights. Yeah, gosh, I mean, just just having one. First of all, let me say, like, it feels a little silly to be fawned over because um, there are a lot of guys in this league and there have been a lot of remarkable moments that you all have had, including having children and, and other things. And I'll also say, like, you know, Ian, Ian's wife, Kim, has been going through a lot and she's doing well. So I want to recognize that, too. So in the grand scheme of things, like a, a, a wedding is is, you know, not probably the most significant thing, but I do appreciate being recognized. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great time. I, I'm glad we could do it because you plan a wedding a year in advance and we set the date during the pandemic, uh, thinking that the pandemic would be over. So there was a lot of uncertainty though, how big it would be, how small it would be, whether it could be done safely. And I think we just, we lucked out perfectly with the timing uh, I think everyone was safe. Everyone there was vaccinated. So we all felt very comfortable and good. Um, but gosh, I, I don't know how many times you all have had a chance to see family for the first time. This was for the first time for me in a long time, seeing a lot of people. So just the, the emotion that comes pouring out, like I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not the most emotional guy, but it's like every other hour I was on the verge of tearing up. Uh, out of joy, mostly. Um, it, is, it was just super moving and I'm very fortunate, very grateful, and I'm glad we could do it. You know, I think you're a pretty, uh, I, I'm gonna say you're a good guy, right? Like I oh, thank want, you. wanted to recognize uh, everybody else and, and not wanting the spotlight overly here, but I will say that I hope the, the podcast becomes a place where we can celebrate big moments. And uh, this is one of the first ones and I appreciate you bringing Ian's wife up on this. Kim, I, we're wishing you all the best if you're listening. I kind of doubt that you are, but I'm pretty sure Ian will be. Um, so he can tell you that we said that. And um, I, I, I kind of hope for Kim's sake that she's not. <laughs> hey, Chris, you should have written my best man speech. It'd be a lot less embarrassing. <laughs> Fair ooh, ooh, uh, was, it, was, it, was it an uncomfortable best man speech? I've seen some other ones. No, it, it, I'm, I kid. It was not uncomfortable. It was my brother-in-law. And again, he just struck that perfect balance of uh, embarrassing to sweet, to redeeming, to recognizing Elizabeth, to concluding on a high note. It was just, it was absolutely perfect. But th thank you for saying that, uh, Chris. The, the best, best man speech I ever heard was actually at Sean's wedding and it was conducted by VJ. Uh, and he started, uh, he basically, the whole thing was over in terms of laughter. Like we all were cracking up so hard after his first 10 seconds because he said something to the effect of like, he didn't have time to write a speech because he's a doctor, but then he figured what the hell because uh, somebody recently, he had done surgery and literally pulled thousands of dollars out of somebody's butt, um, which uh, it was like, 
it was pretty epic uh and it brought the house down uh I, I definitely should not have attempted that right now because we really needed dj to do it so my apologies dj and to sean really but um did you guys have any hilarious moments from from the wedding anything that go, went you know laughably wrong nothing laughably wrong i'd say there was one instance of miscommunication uh between me and my wonderful wife uh, i just expected that we would both take two weeks off the week prior to the wedding and the week following the wedding, maybe do a couple days, not necessarily a big honeymoon, um, but maybe a couple days in Richmond or, or Asheville or somewhere along the way. Um, and I didn't realize until a few days before the wedding, she was planning on going back to work on Tuesday. <laughs> and I had already taken off the vacation time. So I said, you know what, I'm, I'm taking off. And I ended up just golfing like three times this week. So while, while Sweet Angel was at work, I played Haynes Point. I played a great course in Fairfax. Um, I, I played with a number of kind of like, uh, just, I was a single, but um, I played with a bunch of guys who were like, yeah, I've never met somebody who was uh, four days off of their <laughs> wedding because usually they're on a romantic honeymoon. And there I was playing Haynes Point on a Friday afternoon. Uh, so you, that was, I'm sorry. How'd you hit him? Oh, I, I unlocked my swing. I am, I am, was just puring drives. Now I can't putt for dick, but I was just crushing, <laughs> crushing drives. So I'm very excited. So really, if anyone in the DC area wants to play, uh, give me a call. Do you keep a handicap? I don't, I don't. Um, if I did, it would be in the twenties. Like I'm not, I'm not good, but I feel like, you know, having played so much over the last two weeks, I'm on the verge of getting good. So I'm really excited to start talking to some trash. Well, now you got to commit to it. So like I, I, uh, I'm an 18 right now, but my course does a, a member guest every year. And I'm like Ooh. still looking for somebody who's around my skill level. Yeah, there, there's a high so, five happening through this. Yeah, show. so here's why I would be good because I would carry with me a very high handicap, but every once in a while I can just pure one. And yeah, I, I drove a green. Like I don't drive greens, I drove a green. So. You want me on your member guest team, Becker? Becker maybe one day we've talked. I feel like we've talked about it a lot, but at some point we should play. Though I haven't played golf now in like five years because the last time I played golf, I threw my back out, and it was like the real realization that I'm getting old. Well, Matt, last time we played competitive sports, you broke a finger, if I recall. Yeah, and, and, and then I, and then I retired from football. I retired from pick up football after that. <laughs> This doesn't sound good. Uh, it sounds like uh, Jesus Lazardo and video games. Oh boy, uh, I just yeah. saw that headline. Yeah. What video game was it? I didn't. I didn't catch it. Well, what video game requires your 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 pinky? Uh, Pornhub. I... <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like he didn't he like punch something after being frustrated playing video games or something. Is that what happened? Or I don't know. Never actually been injured playing a video game. Itself. It would have made a lot more sense if he was injured after his performance yesterday because he was not good. Uh, but I guess he cares more about video games. Uh, this reminds me of David Price a couple of years ago when the Red Sox told him he was no longer allowed to play Fortnite. Because <laughs> I think he was developing carpal tunnel from Fortnite. Um, so anyway, uh, Becker, we got pretty far off topic from the, from the wedding here, but it, it, uh, I'm happy that you're married. Um, me too. And Thank now, you. Now you can look forward to everybody in your life that does not know social boundaries asking you when you're going to have your first kid. So yeah, I won't be the first, so. but um, yeah. <laughs> oh, we're looking we're looking forward to starting a family. Uh, we're both very family oriented. So yeah, all all good stuff. Appreciate you guys. Sounds good. Uh, Star, do you want to talk weddings at all, or should we should we go back to baseball? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to talk weddings, or we can talk about. <laughs> Uh, you know, my wedding was was a bit of a you know ordeal. So, it, it, I mean, some people, a lot of people already know this story. If we want to talk about, you know, we were going to share uh, things from things that happened at weddings. But my wedding was kind of a disaster. Though most people who were there were not aware of it. Uh, but my our our venue um, between when we booked it and when the actual wedding was, they decided to move. Uh, it was like at a jazz club and they said to move locations. Um, and so our, our wedding was in March and they had planned uh, the week, the Valentine's Day weekend to be their opening weekend. 
uh, and they were not ready to open uh, Valentine's Day weekend. And they'd started booking weddings in March. And uh, the first, the weddings, the first weekend in March at the last minute got moved to like an emergency venue, but they like wouldn't tell us like if the venue was going to be ready for our wedding or not until like, I think literally a week before they officially confirmed that we were going to be able to have it at the venue. But even then it was like half completed. The sound system wasn't done. We didn't even know this was happening. Dinner took fucking forever. And it turned out it was because they were cooking the food at the hotel across the street and oh lord carrying it over because the kitchen wasn't functioning yet oh boy um so i got stressed out because we got way off schedule uh and we were way behind and ian had to, ian came in and saved the day uh because he went and went to the woman who ran the venue and was like we are staying late we are doing everything that is on the schedule and there's nothing you can do about it and she was like okay it was probably 10 bourbons deep by then he, he was definitely several, but he really, he, he saved the day and it was great. And I don't know how, I don't know if he knows how much Anna and I respect him and, and are thankful for Ian's saving of the day. We were very stressed. Most of the guests had no idea what was going on. Apparently a lot of people talk about how great both the food and the, <laughs> yeah, the food that was served across the street was great. I, I'm not surprised at all that Ian did that. Like that seems very in character for him. Uh, and and kudos to you, Ian. When you listen, I'm 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 impressed with you. Uh, can I tell a quick funny one from my from my wedding? I'm gonna yes, please. to respect uh, the fact that this will end up on the internet. I'm gonna use no names here. But um, at my wedding, we had one thing go wrong, uh, and it's not the typical thing to go wrong. Um, the night before at the rehearsal dinner, uh, one of my close friends that I grew up with in New York City came to me, and he had hitched a ride with uh, one of my father's friends. And he was like, Chris, I know it's busy for you, but I, I got to talk to you like ASAP. And I'm like, okay, what's up? And he, he said, listen, there's an escort at your wedding. And I'm like, I'm sorry. And he said, there will be an escort at your wedding. And I'm like, you're, you're, you're fucking with me. Like, like, don't mess with me. I almost actually feel like this is the moment that our podcast actually needs the ability to have a website where we can show the pictures from afterwards. <laughs> because like, so I like, he's telling, he's telling the truth. He basically hitched a ride with this guy and the escort. And he was like, you need to trust me. Like she's the plus one is, is definitely an escort. She's a pro. So I, I say to my wife uh, now, but at the time fiance, um, I warn her of all of this and she tells the story. I wish she was here to tell the story that she's walking down the aisle. Um, and she sees this woman wearing a 1990s, like uh, Christy Yamaguchi style pink uh, figure skating outfit with a top hat and the heels that like were, you know, at least six inches. Um, and if Sean was here, Sean was Very the conspicuous. Uh, Sean was the one that was, uh, I think, uh, had enough to drink one hour in that he took the dare and went up to her and said, so are you here for the bride or the groom? And apparently her response was, honey, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, kudos to our, uh, we had a great time. Our wedding was awesome, but kudos to our, uh, photographer who captured the moment perfectly. And, and we do have that figure skating outfit on permanent record. Um, so. Oh, I would yeah, love I will, to see I that photograph. That. Yeah. Share it at the next auction. Sounds good. Um, anyway, uh, I'm sure that there are plenty more wedding stories to, to be heard from the other guys, maybe we will make that a question. Uh, I, I, I feel like it's just because I, I was brief, somehow this popped up in my mind as we were talking about this. Wasn't there a situation, I think it was Jay, because of course this was something that Jay was involved in. Didn't Jay go to a bachelor party where like the groom like fell off a balcony and like broke his arms and legs like a week before the wedding? Wasn't that a thing that happened? Did that oh boy. I, I have not heard that. I was I was so concerned though that my brother-in-law, who's my best man, would somehow procure a stripper and escort. I would I was very nervous. I made very clear that that was not an interest of mine. Yeah, oh, maybe it was Jorvi. Uh, Jorvi could tell the story. We're gonna have to bring Jorvi on to tell the story. I think Jorvi was at a bachelor party where this happened. So we'll, we'll yeah. be on the podcast, and Jorvi can tell the story far better than I can. I was not about to fall off any balconies. I was not about to get any lap dances. Uh, just, just golf and bourbon. That sounds like my kind of wedding too. Um, all right. Well, listen, guys. I think it's time that we transition back to baseball because that is our true love. Um, 
but I'm bum cha. Okay. Uh, so Star, I know uh, I know that we are hoping that you're going to lead us in a little bit of a segment just on some of the best free agent pickups so far. We can do a little bit of delving into who's done well post-auction managing their rosters. Uh, and then we'll get into what's happened in week four and what we're expecting beyond. So Star, you want to take it away? Yeah, I mean, let's let's jump in and start with, uh, I don't know, probably the most obvious one, which is uh, Mr. Yerman Mercedes and Yermanator, uh, who I, I I can honestly say I had never heard of before opening day. I don't, I don't know if you guys were aware of Yerman Mercedes, but I certainly was not. And I feel like that's a, that's a rarity. I feel like I have a pretty good sense of what's going on on Major League rosters, and I had no clue who this guy was. And he came out, like, kind of, took the MLB by storm and has not really slowed down. <laughs> so uh, be curious to hear what you guys think. I mean, this guy to me looks legit. I mean, you know, he's, he's has no position. He's kind of a short fat, you know, ex catcher, uh, but the guy can hit for power and doesn't strike out and has, you know, not really, slowed down if you look like his numbers from from his last week look like not that dissimilar from his numbers for the full season uh this guy looks like a legit major leaguer and uh i think he's he's not gonna have a you know 1100 ops or whatever he has now but i think this guy is is a player you know he's he's gonna be a fantasy fantasy relevant for the rest of the year decker you want to chime in that, I mean, the thing that has most surprised me is that he's stayed consistent. Uh, every time at this year, um, you know, there's a guy, I remember Eric Thames, like had a great two weeks and you think he's the next Babe Ruth. And then they peter out. Uh, maybe that moment is coming for him, but he hits the ball so hard. Uh, he is very fun to watch. And uh, I'm, I'm very jealous. He's yours, right? You, you have him, Chris? No, no. It's <laughs> Who Mark. picked him up? Mark. Okay. Oh boy. Yeah. I, I am very jealous. Yeah. I actually, I think so coming out of the auction, I was super worried that Mark and Brophy had way too much money, but Mark to his credit was very fast acting on guys like this. Um, so it makes sense that he's the one who has him. Uh, and look, star, I, I agree with you. I, there's not too much more to say. I feel like we should move on in another 30 seconds, but what I will say is the, the folks that I've heard on podcasts talking about him have mostly said that hitting was never the worry. The worry was where were you going to play this guy? And so it was a perfect storm of, you know, Eloy goes down. Uh, they have the DH spot where they're trying, you know, Vaughn out in left field. They were really trying to make room for him is what it looked like. And um, I think he's made a role for himself at this point. So I don't see him going away. Like, how, how are they going to bench this guy? They can't bench this guy. Yeah, I mean, they're absolutely not. I mean, there's no, there's no reason to bench him. And, you know, I think there'll be some adjustment here. You know, the league will adjust and they'll figure out, how to attack him, but I think you know the skill set, the the power and lack of strikeouts is is you know it's it's hard to you can't completely eradicate that as a pitcher. Tony yeah. Larusa, pure genius. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's what it is. Sure, uh, Star, hit us up with another one. All right, uh, so let's talk about your boy Cedric Mullins, Mister Becker. Uh, this is a guy that that I I think I've owned at least one of the last two years, maybe both the last two years, a guy I've, I've been a big fan of just because he seemed like a guy who could steal bases and wasn't a zero elsewhere. Um, I, it wasn't clear coming into the season that he was going to be the starting center fielder for them, for the Orioles. Uh, and he went undrafted, I think, because of that. I think there were real playing time questions. Uh, the breakout has been pretty massive. Uh, I will say I, I am a little less bullish um, on what we've seen from him because uh, there seems to be an uptick in the power with Mullins and there's not really a lot like in the StatCast data that supports the the 202 ISO that we've seen. And this is a guy who had an ISO career uh, like about 100 coming into the season and to double that without really any extra exit velocity or barrels is um, a little surprising. So. Uh, I mean, I think Mullins is a useful player. He's cut the strikeouts down. He's still got the speed. I don't think he's going to keep up this power, but I think he remains useful. And, you know, if he can keep striking out more like 19% as opposed to 24% from a year ago, I think, you know, he's a viable starting player in this league, even if he's not going to be a 400 OBP, you know, 200 ISO guy. That's a pitch perfect read. Uh, I, I don't expect him to hit 20 home runs. If he does, it's bonus, but um 
I had dropped um, Avisel Garcia to pick up Jonathan Wiseguy. Needed some sort of center fielder and had been considering him or Kevin Kiermaier. Uh, but I have kind of long been a fan of Cedric Mullins. I think we may have seen his major league debut in person. If not his debut, then maybe his one of his first few games. If you recall, Matt, we went to that Orioles Red Sox game maybe in 18. Um, in yeah, I think it was, it, it was 2019. And as we saw Nadia Evaldi get just annihilated. I think so. Well, that's <laughs> no surprise there. But um, yeah, we, we saw Cedric Mullins and I was like, this is, this is a fun, exciting player on a team that usually lacks fun, exciting players. And I liked him then. Um, I, when I was debating between him and Kiermaier, it was simply like, all right, do you take ceiling or do you take the high floor? And I went with ceiling and, and so far he's been great. Now I expect him to come back to earth, but he's somebody I want to plug in my starting lineup every day because it's not going to be Jackie Bradley Jr. I can tell you that. And you tried to trade him to me to complete the, the Brewers. <laughs> I offered JVJ to everybody. Yeah. Nobody, nobody took the bait. I don't think that's really much bait. It's more like, uh, I don't even have the right word. I think trash. <laughs> Somebody uh, comes and picks up the trash at least once a week, but JBJ has been sitting there. I think that's right. But I did take Garcia from you, but it's the other A Garcia that I'm more excited about right now. Yes. Talk uh, about him. Well, no, I, I didn't. That was a segue, but I, I, I'm actually, I'm a little, I'm souring on him. He strikes out too much. Uh, is it Adolis or Adolis? I think it's Adolis. Yeah, or is it Adolis? You know, I, I feel like these are all these are options are all on the table. <laughs> well, I'll admit that on my MLB package, like I've heard it, the pronunciation three different yeah. ways, so I, I really don't know what to say yet. Um, well, but, three white guys on a podcast trying to pronounce this Latin name is uh, is great fodder. I, you know, I actually try to go out of my way to figure out how to pronounce some of these guys' names, and I didn't. I didn't bother to look that one up, actually. <laughs> well, I don't really even think we need to talk about him much other than to say that it's rare that you you have like a, a consistent 30 home run guy in AAA get up and none of us know his name. That's kind of interesting, right? Like, how did that happen? Um, but then, you know, Becker, you and I were texting back and forth about this one. On his first game, he was hitting cleanup for the Rangers. Right. So like, and then, and then he's been hitting cleanup ever since. Yes. So they clearly think something of his bat and he, he does have some pop in it. And he's also like, I think he's 73rd percentile for, for sprint speed. Uh, unfortunately that is not translating success stealing bases. I think he's one for six right now, <laughs> which at some point when you're, when you're like shooting that kind of a percentage, one, one for four, one for four. To exaggerate that one in the wrong direction. Sorry about that. Star, do you believe in him at all? You think he's worthy of being rostered? I mean, I, I'm not sure that this guy is a long-term major leaguer. I think this is the the. I mean, I'm not looking at his defensive numbers. I don't know if the guy can play any defense. Like, eh, it's too early to tell. Um, I this is a profile that I think is could easily go south. Um, you know, the the big power. He's athletic, uh, but he's got a 280 OBP right now. Actually, 278 OBP right now. Um, this is a guy who doesn't seem like he's going to bring a lot of defensive value and probably needs to hit to keep his head above water. I don't think that 278 OBP is, is gonna, gonna play long-term. Um, you know, I think best case you're looking at like an Adam Duvall kind of guy who has an OBP in the low 300s. He doesn't walk and he strikes out a lot and this could improve, but also it could go the other way. It's the kind of guy who, you know, there's a scouting report and, he gets further exposed for a guy who kind of, who's already got this much swing this in his game. It's it's the kind of thing that could easily go to the point where he's not playable anymore. Wait, are you saying that 278 is not good? <sighs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Star, who else do you want to talk about? Uh, let's talk about some pitchers. And so I'll talk about a guy who we all, I almost talked about a couple of weeks ago in terms of like breakout pitchers and I think he was coming off a, a start that looked to, at the time, looked like, okay, exposed him as a fraud. And then he has gotten turned right back around and dominated again. That's uh, Huascar Noah, who now maybe looks legit. Like he, 
think right before our last podcast, he'd given up six runs in a four inning start. And then since then he's given up two runs over his last 11 innings with 14 strikeouts. Um, and, you know, I, I, there, there are reasons to be a little concerned about this guy and that he is essentially a two pitch pitcher, um, but he throws hard and he has a nasty slider that's missing a lot of bats. Um, you know, I wasn't sure he was a starting pitcher long-term. He looked like a reliever to me, but I don't know. Like he's, he seems to be able to make this work with this profile. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to stay two nine six ERA good, but I, I think maybe this guy's more legit than I was willing to give him credit for it. I think that's right. Uh, Becker, I'll let you go in a second, but I, I do just want to point one thing out. The one bit of prep I did on this um, on, on, you know, do you know who he's actually pitched against so far this year, Matt? Do you delve that deep? Let me pull up his matchups real quick. I'll save you the trouble. Here it is. He uh, First one, he pitched uh, at the Nats. That's his toughest matchup. Since then, he's had the Marlins, the Cubs, uh, the Diamondbacks, and the Cubs again. I want to see this guy actually go up against a good offense. I mean, because at this, at this point, I'm not sure. I'm not going to say that I think he's not there. Uh, he clearly has some talent, but – uh, I, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen when he plays the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, to, to their credit, the Cubs have been much better after a terrible start. A terrible start to the season, which quite honestly can probably be chalked up to the fact they had to face Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. I think, I think four of their first nine games came against Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. So that, that, that'll, that'll do a number to your offense. And the Cubs are now 15th in, in Woba. Fine, but if you're going to do that, then the one time that he gave up six runs was to the Cubs. So I'm just I'm saying like let's wait and see uh, when he when he actually has to go up against a little tougher opponent. Yeah, that, that is totally fair. I I think there there this is another guy who I think he's he's viable. I don't think he's going to stay as good as he is. I think he you know he's he certainly made a case to stay in the Braves rotation, which. I think if you'd asked me two weeks ago, I would have said no. When everyone gets healthy, he's not in that rotation anymore. Um, but I think right now he's certainly made a case, and he's going to be in this rotation. That they're going to give him a chance to keep to prove this he's legit, and he can clearly miss some bats if nothing else. Well, even even so, I, I think he is his type is the most valuable midseason pickup in LDB. I'm always very uh, jealous and um, admirable of, of owners that can pick up productive starting pitchers. I think there's an endless supply of relief pitchers and you can pop on some and miss some others, but those guys are expendable. But if you're able to, to bank on quality innings um, with a mid-season acquisition, that is just so incredible, especially given the prices that quality starters and even not so quality starters went for at auction. Who has, you know, uh, I believe Paul does. Okay. Yeah. So, so on that starting pitcher front, can we talk about AL ERA leader, Danny Duffy? <laughs> so what? long as you're prepared to talk about him when he ends up with a 4.6. Uh, he is, he has been, I mean, I take no credit for this. I mean, I, I just was like, I had a roster spot. The guy has been unbelievable. And, it, and unlike, you know, uh, these are not, he's not facing a whole bunch of terrible offenses. He is throwing as hard as he did in his peak when he was a very good starter in like 2016. His velocity is back where it was in 2016. He was throwing 94, 95, and then his velocity dipped to the 92 range for a while. He's back at 94, 95 again. He's missing a lot of bats with the fastball, which is really wild in particular. Um, and so I, I don't know. I am I willing, obviously he's not ER, AL ERA leader quality, but I mean everything. If you didn't know this was Danny Duffy and you were looking at this profile, there's nothing that looks out of whack about it. I mean, other than the ERA being you know significantly lower than it should be. I mean this this is a guy who's who's pitching with like mid three ERAs kind of profile right now, which is what he did back in 2016. You just said everything I wanted to say, but I believe in this one, Matt, the, the, the velocity uptick is kind of important uh, to the story and it fits. I mean, Duffy was this good 
when he was pitching 95. That's the thing. Like we, we all know this name because he had a ridiculously good season a couple of years ago. If he's that guy again, why not? Right? Like I, I don't see any reason why this can't stick. Nice pickup. You get some credit. Yeah, I think, I think if he can stay healthy and he can keep the velocity here, and I don't think those things are a given. Um, I think if he can keep the velocity in 94, 95, I think he continues to be a useful pitcher who can maybe finish the season with an ERA under four. Just what star needed to help his <laughs> middling squad. Yeah. What do you have now? Like 74 viable starting pitchers? Something like that. And yet, and yet this week, my ERA is like four, two or something like that. Despite that. <laughs> well, if only you had Corey Kluber to throw you eight. <laughs> out of eight then... I knew that was coming. I, I, I can't resist. I'm sorry. The story <laughs> might only last one week. I have to hit him now. <laughs> I was looking at box scores this afternoon. I was like, ooh, Corey Kluber. Chris is going to have something to say about that. So, well, we can move on from this segment. I don't want to take up too much more time with these guys. That's a good group to talk about so far. And we can, we can, there's some more guys, guys like Kyle Gibson and, and Zach McKinstry, who I think is on the DL or the IL. Uh, Alex Cobb, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago, who has Actually, fallen off a cliff and uh, I think may not be owned by the next time we do one of these segments. I do want to talk about McKinstry for a second because I believe in that guy. I think that was, that, that's among my favorite pickups of the year. Uh, the question is, does he have a job when he gets healthy again? Because the Dodgers lineup is so stacked, but he plays literally everything. Like I'm pretty sure he also plays wide receiver. Like he, he can find the way onto the field doing anything. And uh, he reminds me actually a lot of what we all thought of Max Muncie when Max Muncie was coming forward. Right. It's like a Dodgers minor leaguer that can hit that they didn't have a place for. And then all of a sudden they were like, well, let's see what happens. He hits, man. He hits really well. Um, and the fact that they can move him around, I think the big question is, is it Lux or is it McKinstry when they're both healthy? Because we haven't seen that yet. And if the Dodgers are committed to Lux, then he might start losing some playing time. But otherwise, like, I don't know if, they, if there's a spot for that guy. I think he's pretty good. So remember when I, I told you that I run all my very difficult LDB decisions past Elizabeth? Uh, well, I did that with McKinstry while he was on the wire. And it was between McKinstry and Mike Brasso. And I said, sweet angel. Uh, one of these young men uh, came up very big in the, the postseason last year. And another young man uh, may not have a role, but I think he's got some promise. And she said, take Mike Brasso. And so I took my brass up and then dumped him a day later. Uh, meanwhile, uh, McKinstry is uh, going to be a good player, even if he doesn't have much of a role. I, I think he'll get plenty of time. I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I thought the Dodgers had this guy before the season, but I thought it was Edwin Rios. I did not. I, I, Zach McKinstry is another guy who was completely off my radar. And yet the Dodgers just find these guys. And I, I don't get it. I mean, it was, it was Max Muncy. I mean, they, they revitalized Chris Taylor's career and turned him into this like multi-positional monster. It's, it's wild how they're able to do this just year after year. Just turn, I mean, Justin Turner was this guy before, before all of these other guys. I mean, Justin Turner was the guy they pulled off the scrap heap and turned into an all-star. It's, it's crazy their ability to do this. And now I think, I think when, when Bellinger comes back, I think there are questions about the playing time because I think Taylor, who's playing center field right now, probably goes back to second base. Muncie or uh, Lux has really struggled. Um, I don't know. I, I have concerns about Gavin Lux. And I think, I think it's possible that because of that, McKinstry continues to have some sort of role, even if it's not quite the role he has right now. I, I think I've made uh, a living off of waiting out the overreactions to guys like Gavin Lux, like give that guy some time. Um, he's, he has not had a fair shake yet. I want to see what happens when he plays every day. I still, I still believe. Okay. I just like to point out uh, Gavin Lux does not have a barrel this year. Uh, I, I think Eno pointed out that he has not had a barrel since like the first week of the 20, uh, since uh, the first week of the 2020 season. Um, and that's a little concerning for a guy who was supposed to have power as one of his carrying tools. A guy who hit 28 home runs in 2019. I don't know what's going on there, but it's, it's really concerning. And I, I, he, 
he if he continues to hit the ball like he's hitting the ball right now is not a major league player to me now he's what 23 23 there's time but i i have some real concerns about what gavin lux is doing right now and how viable he is unless he makes well, I think in the interest of time here, we, we got to move forward. Um, and uh, Star, I, I, like I think the next segment we're going to do is is actually just breaking down what's happened in week four, uh, attempting to go back all the way to week three. But I think we can say that's too far in our rearview mirror to really remember. Um, you made a trade this week, Matt. You want to take a moment and just tell us why you made this trade for your 75th and 76th starting pitchers. Yeah, so this is this is going to be a weird one. I mean, I, I got some weird reactions from <laughs> some folks when I made this as uh, people questioning why I wanted starting pitchers. But uh, it was not really about starting pitchers per se. It was about these particular guys. Ian and I have been talking about Brew Baker for a while, and I was trying to figure out a way to get him. I wasn't willing to give up like a prospect straight up for him. Uh, but honestly, this trade really came down to Shane McClanahan and and the contracts that these two are under. This was a trade for me. It's weird to say this. This is a trade about the future for me. But I, I, I saw, I watched some of that Shane McClanahan start, and I saw some things that I have, I am not sure I've ever seen on a baseball field. And I felt the same way that I did when I first saw Corbin Burns pitch. I, I mean, like, I, I just was like, this, this guy looks special. And I was like, I got to get in while it's still possible to get this guy. And so, the dream is really like McClanahan goes to the roof and I have an ace for the next two years at 1 million. But, and then that's not necessarily, obviously not, you know, a slam dunk, but you know, that was, that was really the calculation in addition to getting uh, JT Brubaker, who I think, who I really like, and I think is a legitimate, you know, two, three starter type for the next couple of years on a cheap contract too. Any thoughts, Becker? Yeah, I, th I think it was a good deal for both sides. Um, I mean, Ian got a hell of a prospect, but McClanahan is someone who uh, is incredible. I, I watched the start too. And I, I like the fact, Matt, that you recognize that you, you watched it and that is something that uh, kind of swayed the balance because there are just some guys, you watch them pitch and you're like, I got to have that guy. I felt the same way with Emmanuel Classe throwing 102 mile an hour cutters two years ago, I picked him up having watched three pitches on pitching ninja, right? <laughs> so you can, you can dive into the metrics, you can dive into savant, but sometimes all it takes is watching a 10 pitch first inning. And it's like, Ooh, boy, that's something different. And I, I saw what you saw and you know, your reputation, obviously, Matt is someone who's big into the advanced metrics, but Every once in a while, you get a showstopper. I think that's McClanahan. Uh, so I don't, I don't blame you for trading a, a solid prospect. I think Ian did a great job in getting him, but you've got a hell of a value in return. Yeah, I think it was good. I, I, I Becker, well summed up. Uh, if anyone has it, I, I would highly recommend. Alex Fast was like live tweeting gifts of McClanahan while that start was happening, and I would highly recommend at least going to take a look at those gifts because. Jesus Christ, like these pitches, like the guy throws 101 with crazy movement. Like I'm not, I'm not sure I've seen a pitch at 101 move the way that McClanahan's fastball moves. It's, it's some wild stuff. He will run into trouble. He will get into trouble. I'm not sure if he's Corbin Burns, you know, in, yeah, in I, six I, I months. Think the, but... I think the command control is the question for him right now. And can he figure that out? You know, I think he's in a good place to do that. The Rays are you know, have a good reputation for this kind of thing. But he's also on the Rays, which means he could pitch four innings and then be back in the minors in about a month and a half. Yep. He's, yep. he's Josh Fleming with a fastball. Well, that's yeah. yeah, spicy, spicy hot. I liked it, yeah, because uh, I didn't expect Josh Fleming's name to be said at all. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay, no, I, I look, I think, it, I think it's good. And I also think it's just really good for the league when, when trades are happening in week four, right? It's, it's managers being on top of their stuff. It's what makes this league great. Um, the, I think what we want to do now, rather than pay like way too much attention to any one week is really point out that after four weeks, I know Ian will be doing his quarter poll 
power rankings next week, but let's look at some of the teams that have maybe done better than we thought that they would. doesn't mean that they're, you know, bad teams doing well, or it could mean a, a really good team that's playing great. Um, as is uh, the case with, I think the team that I want to talk about first, Brophy is likely to have the league's best record after four weeks. I think it's for real. Um, let's talk about this team for a minute. Uh, I, as I, as I look at like some of the things that have happened for Brophy so far, some of this is that he's run into the right opponents at the right time, but he's also had, you know, stars that are consistently playing the way that they're supposed to. And then some breakouts that we didn't expect. Um, I don't know too many people that aren't aware of what Buxton is doing right now. As an example, like Buxton might be the AL MVP right now, if the season ended, right. Am I crazy for saying that? He's certainly in the, in the running for it. He's been unbelievable. He's been, he's been, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago. He's been the he's been the player that I think everyone dreamed he would be uh, a few years ago before all the injuries. And he's he just he looks like you know he's Fernando Tatis level player right now. So I I gotta uh, be careful with this next one because Star, if there's anyone who's gonna know it without looking it up, it'll be you. But go ahead and give me a guess on how many home runs Javi Baez has hit, and then how many stolen bases he's had so far this year. So Brophy and I talked about this recently, so I probably have a I, I probably have a general idea. Maybe Becker should be the one. Yeah, Becker, go for it. Any guesses? Last <laughs> I would I would guess that Javi Bias has one home run and and three stolen bases. The other way, man. He's got six and six. Wow. So and I think that that's part of the story here too. But let's not neglect the fact that on the pitching side, uh, oh, unmatched, this, totally unmatched. Yeah. So Barrios has been as advertised, if not better. Savali has a whip under one. Um, he's had he's the one with Cobb who, yeah, the numbers don't look as good as the, the story would have told us. But then Darvish has been otherworldly so far. Kershaw has been otherworldly so far. Like basically he's- Rodon. Yeah, Rodon. And then he's got, he's got Tyon who, like that scares me because Tyon hasn't even been good yet, but we know it's coming. Um, good start yesterday, finally. Yeah, so I, I, I guess my message here is that Brophy's pitching is, if not, uh, well, let's say it this way: he's he's among the league's best uh, pitching staffs for sure. Um, yeah. the, the pitching was never really the question. I think that you know the what's been impressive is the offense. I think that was those were the issues. That, that's like what was not settled coming into the year. And honestly, like I'm looking at the guys right now. Buxton, I think, is carrying a lot of weight here uh, for that team. Um, you know, I, Buxton has been on, a, on another planet, and I think it's really, you know, I mean, he's, this has got a, you know, does he, does he have a better OP, OPS than Mike Trout? They're close. Um, Matt Olson, too, has been terrific. Yeah. But, but uh, Buxton's the guy who's, like, really, no one else is really playing so much better than anticipated, but Buxton has been so good that it doesn't matter. Like, and, and enough other guys are playing, you know, up to what was expected. And he's done this without Alberto Mondesi, who's been hurt all season. Yeah. I you know the other one worth citing is McMahon, but we've already talked about him. In yeah, McMahon's the other one probably. So, uh, and actually I'll, I'll also just say that like, while Urshela's stats are not off the page good, like he's getting more value than I expected him to off Urshela. So I think this team's for real. Um, I think it is now officially the team to beat in California winter. Um, especially after this week when he really handed Jorvi his lunch. Um, and, uh, and then I, I beat Sean pretty good. So I think, I think at this point, Brophy's looking at probably like a 15 game lead after four weeks. So Ooh. yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty big lead. It's I, at this point, clearly in the playoffs and, and everyone else is going to be chasing um, the other team. And I'll do a little less talking on this one. If you guys are ready to go especially because I think we might know one of the owners. Um, I think that the, the Tones are doing well. Is that right? The Tones? The Tones. Oh. There's the roof for the Tones. Uh, so Becker, walk us through it. Is this real? I mean, you tried to, you tried to, you know, wave us off the scent before. I'm not, I'm not listening anymore. It's not real. It's not real. Take a look at the matchups. I've had uh, the good fortune of playing two teams who uh, are, are going through rebuilding modes. So uh, I've had some fortunate matchups. I've had a good uh, run of run of hot streaks, but now nah, um, let's we'll talk in a couple of weeks. Wait, back to earth. I, 
Becker, do you lead the league in ERA right now? The answer is yes. But, yeah. but, 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 uh, I, I mean, you know, I'll, I'm going to struggle to make innings every week. So really, <laughs> there's, there's, there's no guarantee that that will continue. I, I think uh, Matt and I are literally seeing horns sprout from Becker's head as he talks. <laughs> I mean, this has clearly played out exactly the way that you thought it would and the way, in not the way that I at all thought it would. So kudos to you for that. Yeah, actually, that. thank you. Shame on us in the free agent pickup for not even mentioning Kendall Graveman, who currently has oh, a God, he's so unbelievable. and a whip of 0.38. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? 12 strikeouts so far this season. Uh, clearly, that should have been who we talked about, and we just all whipped. Um, I kept thinking that guy was going to break out as a starter. It turned out that all, all they needed to do was move him to the bullpen, and that was, that was the, that's what they needed to do all along. Yeah, well, you know what's what, what is interesting is all of my pickups have been kind of I'll refer to them almost as off-season pickups where where people were focusing on starting pitching or stolen bases, and I just went straight for those middle relief guys that I thought were going to get a lot of innings. And, and Graveman was one of those guys that I thought could pitch, yeah, you know, the seventh and the eighth. And Loizaga was that, and. Uh, I already had Hader in the bank and Chris Rodriguez was one of those guys. So like I very slowly accumulated guys who could pitch a bunch of innings and then they've in turn become kind of high leverage guys. Uh, so it makes BJ look good. It makes K's look good. Uh, certainly makes ERA look good. Now, you know, I, I'm going to get slammed by uh, a Nathan Eovaldi meatball special one of these weeks. Um, so I'm, I, I'm sure putting, what's that? I'm not so sure that you will. I think that one of the best ways to manage the way that LDB runs is to be the guy who has, you know, nine, 10 relief pitchers who are all throwing smoke, um, you know, and then to just minimize the risk of starting pitchers. Uh, I've seen the strategy work for years and you have the guys to do it. Right. I mean, I think actually the most important moment for your team, not to sell you short on anything here, Becker might've been when you were forced to keep Karen check as your, your, your guy from this past year, because clearly that was the right move. I well, mean, I could have kept means that would have been even better. I, I'm, I'm very happy that you did because <laughs> that's probably the one thing that went completely right for me in the draft this year, but right. uh, well, maybe JD Martinez, but, uh, but yeah, I love means, but no, no, let's get back to it here. 22 strikeouts, an ERA of 0.38 whip. Karen check's been the best relief pitcher in baseball. He's great. He's, He's been great. the best relief pitcher in baseball. I don't think that there is any argument there. Yeah, and every time he pitches, he's liable to strike all three guys out. And he did that today, and that's going to win me um, Ks. I'm going to win Ks by one, I think, and only because Karen Chuck struck out three guys. Um, yeah, he's he's terrific. Graveman's good. Hater's good. I got I got a, a bunch of uh, young young thoroughbreds down there in the bullpen. Look, and you got what four of the top eleven guys in reliever war there with Karinchak and Hader, Graveman, and then uh, Scott Barlow, who we haven't talked about, but has also been great. Yeah. So if anyone wants some some relief help, get at me. I'll we'll talk starting pitching and return. And it will only cost you your soul. <laughs> the, the, again, the horns are very much on screen, guys. Um, Becker, well done, man. Uh, I, I, before we started, I, I said, I, I think you're in the running for Savviest Owner. Um, and this is the stuff that gets you there. Just say I don't it. know about that. No, I, too much helium for the boys. We, we like to operate under the radar. So like I said, um, you know, don't want to get too high or low, uh, but we can talk in a couple of weeks, see if I'm still leading the division. I think we will. Uh, all right. So I'm going to give a quick moment to let the two of you identify any other teams that you want to, that you think are doing well, that you want to give a shout out to. I, mean, I, think, I think, you know, we've talked about the two main ones. Um, I don't know. Let me take a look and see if anyone else is jumping out at me. I don't think there's anyone else who's like really surprising. I mean, Mark's team, unfortunately, is probably played better than the record is going to show, um, you know, in part because of uh, guys like Yerman Mercedes and the fact that the offense is not, you know, the dumpster fire that it looks like it might be, at least thus far. Uh, and he's got some of the best pitching in the league. Now he's going to be 
you know, he just got beat by Paul, unfortunately. But that's a team that's playing a lot better than expected and is going to be a lot and is a lot better than its 19 and 29 record um, looks. That's the other team that's been surprising on the good side for me. And I think you know, that team is in the playoff mix despite the record because of how well they've played. You know, I think it's unfortunate you can get more wins out of that, out of, out of the start that he's had because this team's been good. I think what I'll say to that one is exactly what Sean said in our last cast. There are no easy matchups in federal right now. And I think that Mark's run into the wrong guys at the wrong time. Um, so, but it, yeah, I agree. His team is better than was advertised. I want to give a shout out to the box. I mean, they, they started in uh, an 0 for 12 hole and now the box are 19 and 17 and about to beat the corn ballers, I think. Uh, so really impressive by Ian. We were texting earlier in the week. I asked him how he did it. And, and he's just, he's playing the course. All right. And apparently trading all of his players while doing it, which is impressive. All right. Let's switch over to the, the, the other side of this coin, the teams that are underwhelming us um, or uh, shitting the bed, as you will. Um, maybe not the owners, but their, their respective rosters might be. Um, I'm going to start with the Poyos. Uh, they were ranked three in the power rankings before the season began. Some of this I think is bad luck. I mean, it's hard to fault, uh, anybody for the fact that, uh, Christian Yelich has been MIA here. Uh, and I think that we're seeing what happens when you take Christian Yelich out of an otherwisely, uh, mediocre, uh, to slightly above average offense. Um, it's just, it doesn't look as good. Um, Matt Becker, what you, can you weigh in here on, on what's going on for Anton squad? I mean, I, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. And this was not a very deep team to begin with. Uh, I think depth was one of the weakest parts of this team, and losing Yelich for I mean, he's has he played? He's played like a game. I feel like not not much. Um, losing Yelich for the all this time has been pretty devastating to this offense. But also, the pitching hasn't really been as advertised. I think that's the other, you know, Bauer and and. Snell have been, Bauer's been great. Snell has been okay. Zach Plezak has been a fucking dumpster fire. Uh, Zach Grinke has been okay. Like this pitching was supposed to be top of the league and it just hasn't been. And I'm not sure it's going, to, I, I haven't seen anything that tells me it's going to get better either. And that's, I think that's maybe the other piece of this that's a little concerning is that I don't think this had, this team has the elite pitching that I thought they had coming into the season. So please, I had a nice start today. Um, you know, Bauer is still there. I, I really think it comes down to the offense. And I'm sure he would be disappointed right now to see how, how poorly it's doing. But look, I, I know it's only week four, but everyone is going to experience a lot of injuries moving forward, even the good teams, which means in my mind, um, everyone there's going to be a lot of parody and even the good teams are going to have bad weeks and the bad teams will have good weeks. So, you know, I, I don't think anybody is totally out of it yet. I know usually at least in the last three, four years, I've been in the league, you can kind of put a, a nail in the coffin of somebody by now. And I don't necessarily see that. Ray, Ray is dead. We could do that for Ray. But uh, oh, yeah. Ray, I mean, not all right. Ray's dead. Ray, <laughs> Ray, is, Ray is dead. But look, look, look at the last few days that Ray has had. Ray is now beating me in runs in RBI and OBP and OPS. Now, Ray's got to make innings, and he did this week. But right now, Ray is beating me in four offensive categories. Ray's not trying to win this year. We can put and that's what, and like, that's what is so disappointing to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay, especially because you're the one who has like all the hitting from the draft. Right. Let's put it to the side. I, I, you know, as I was prepping for this, I wasn't sure how much you guys were prepped, and I was going to ask you how many homers Clayber Torres has. The answer is the old goose egg. Uh, I'm worried about him. All right. I think that actually is the one other guy off Anton's squad that we officially should say what's going on, um, and and be worried. Uh, but again, I'm going to move us along mostly just because I think from a timing standpoint we need to. Uh, the other team we agreed we were going to talk about here was the Cornballers. Um, I will say that for Ryan's sake, 
Um, it does look like he had a better week this week, correct? Or am I misremembering? I'm checking that now. No, he, he's, he's getting beat by Ian. It's not good. It's, okay. It's so, I mean, what's going on with Ryan's squad and how worried are we? Very worried. I mean, it's been, it's just been kind of unfortunate just across the board. And, I, you know, I, I know through no fault of his, honestly, I think just a lot of guys, like injuries, you know, Max Fried's been hurt. Um, now, unfortunately, that's like Dustin May is also hurt. Um, the offense had some depth issues to begin with. I had, there were some questions. Uh, I think the offense is just, has just not been there. But I think it's the pitching, you know, I think Luis, Luis Castillo pitching the way that he has, uh, which is not not good. It gets a little better lately, but that guy was supposed to be an ace, has not been. Um, Freed's hurt. It wasn't, it wasn't a deep team, and this is the kind of team that just could not withstand injuries or bad performances from the guys who were supposed to be stars, and he's had both of those. And it's, it's been pretty devastating thus far. I, yeah, I, I don't know how much more there really is to say on it. Um, I, I do think that this team is good enough that I could see it putting a run together. So similar to what Becker was saying before, I don't think that there's anything saying that this team is dead, uh, but he needs a turnaround in performance and he needs it now. Probably. Oh, yeah. Rendon was hurt for a while. I knew there was another big injury. He's back now, but Rendon missed, you know, three weeks. I, Reese Hoskins has been okay. Reese Hoskins is probably the one highlight from the offense here. He's been okay. I mean, he's got a 272 OBP. The eight homers is 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 important, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I, it's not. I don't, I don't know what's going on with Joey Gallo? Who's got one of the most confusing lines of the season? Who's got a 404 OBP and a 299 slugging right now? Yeah, that's very ungallo like, isn't it? Two home runs and his exit velocity is way down too. It, it that, that's that's concerning to me. I don't, I don't know. If he made a conscious change to try to make more contact, which you know, I guess sort of worked, but you know, actually it hasn't worked. So the strikeouts are higher. You know, he's the exit velocity is way down. The barrel rate is way down. It's, it's I, I don't know what's happening there, but it's it's concerning to see. How's that new park playing? Is it playing big? Future friendly. I should look up. The, Baseball Savant just put out uh, new park factors. I'd be curious. All right. While you look that up, um, I'm going to, again, in the interest of time, I'm just going to give a, a shout out in a not so good way also to the fact that Nate has had probably the league's worst luck. I mean, when you dra- when you spend 40 million on Kenta Maeda and then the guy forgets how to pitch, that's kind of a problem for your team. Um, and that's pretty much the story there. Um, I didn't warn everyone we were going to talk about this team, but I mean, Sonny Gray has been underwhelming. He has one of the league's best pitching stories in Trevor Rogers, and it just hasn't mattered, which is sad, super sad. He also has TJ Anton. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit of today, actually. Oh, he blew up today. I didn't know that. He gave up like four runs today or something. Well, I mean, I, what, what's sort of alarming about Nate's staff is that half of the players seem to be playing as well as they can already, and he's still losing. And then the other half have been completely underwhelming. Uh, see you, Kenta Maeda. Um, I wonder if Maeda's going to turn it around, though. I sort of think he will. Like, how can somebody be that good last year, have the same velocity, and then just t- suddenly suck? But that's what we're seeing, so I'm not sure. Um, anybody yeah. else you guys want to talk about? I mean, I think Nate was the other obvious one who's not performing as well as I was expecting. And it, it, it really comes back to, to Maeda and, and Greg, the guys who were supposed to be the aces of the staff and just have not been. Uh, I mean, Maeda was, it seems pretty clear Maeda was a bit over his head last year. Um, and that, you know, that, I don't think that version of Maeda is coming back. Um, but I think he's going to be better than, you know, what we've seen so far this year. Matt, your volume is going in and out, my friend. I'm not quite sure what it is, but Sorry, I think I just backed away. I was looking at the screen and was backed away. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I, I have some concerns about Maeda. I don't think he's going to be the guy he was last year. I think he can get back to kind of the guy we we viewed Kenta Maeda to be prior to 2020. But I'm not sure 2020 2-7, ERA two six three XFIP Kenta Maeda is coming back. Yeah, 
I'll say I continue to be impressed by Matt's team, uh, especially on offense. We knew he had great pitching, but just the number he's numbers he's putting up against Dubner's team, uh, impressive. Forty two runs, thirty one RBI, OPS of eight twenty five, four stolen bases. All of all of that plays on a regular basis. So uh, very very impressed. I've got I've got some impressive play from some guys I was not expecting. I mean, Justin Turner has been out of this world, but like Nick Solak and Jared Walsh, a couple of guys who really carried this team in a way that I was not expecting, especially because Marcelo Zuna and Paul Goldschmidt have been fucking garbage. <laughs> and I, and my offense has still been, you know, pretty good despite that. Yeah. It's the Semians, the Taylors, not even Tiasker, but yeah, it's it's. Well, yeah, Tiasker yeah, like, was, was had COVID and was out for a while, but he had a home run yesterday. His first game back, it's nice to see. But it's the mid-tier offensive buys that you had at auction that I think are hitting. Oh, and, and Fran Mel Reyes, who's been right. uh, love that guy. Yeah. If you saw the two home runs the other day, he hit for like a combined nine hundred feet. It was pretty amazing. It's big man. All right, so I think that that should cover it for uh, our, you know, who's up, who's down kind of segment. Um, and uh, just in a quick recap of what's happening this week, I think we actually managed to cover most of it. But I think I need to just take my very quick moment to say you may notice we are three out of four hosts today. Uh, I believe that's because Sean is too embarrassed by what I did to him. Um, I believe it's called a spanking. Uh, so Sean, when you come back, you can, uh, you can reference what I just said and you can stick it to me because this is the first time I've beaten you, I think in six matchups, but uh, that needed to be said. And now we can move on. Um, spanking code for childcare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, but let's go on to our, our last segment here, uh, which is uh, our match of the week for next week. Uh, and this is going to be thrilling podcast while I click the league tab on our website. And then after that, I click the schedule tab on our website um, and find out who's playing who in week five. Uh, while I do that, one of you needs to tell a funny story so that this is not complete dead air. So one of the highlights of the wedding week for me is um, I was, I was hoping to get this in earlier. Elizabeth's mom had a cake made for me at the Friday welcome reception. And it was a fondant cake of my favorite shoe of all time, which are the Air Jordan 11s Concord. So again, this, this really requires photos, but imagine an Air Jordan shoe atop a shoe box made out of fondant and inside was funfetti. So it was as delicious as it was beautiful. So props to Mrs. Dewar. Wait, I had these shoes, wow. <laughs> you had the 11s? You had the like 11s? The original, yeah, I absolutely had these shoes when I was a kid. That was my dream shoe, right? Those came out in 95, 96. Those are MJ's first shoe back after he retired. I think, I think those are the only Air Jordans that. I ever owned. But My God. Yeah, those are absolutely the ones I had when I was a kid. Those, those are, are it's a perfect shoe. I, I like, I like shoes and sneakers and sixth grade Michael just adored these shoes. And so when they were re-released -re in 2018, um, I got onto the sneakers app and like right at 10 AM and thankfully got a pair. And, you know, it's like the one indulgence you have to your sixth grade self, right? I'm sure there are other examples of this, but like, I needed to redeem years and years and years of uh, wanting this shoe. And then Elizabeth's mom went ahead and made a damn cake out of it. That's pretty amazing. Just a very special moment. Yeah. Uh, I've actually gotten into Jordans recently myself. We should, we should talk about Jordans in one of these segments. Um, For sure. Not yeah. really having any as a child. I now have three, three pairs. I'm Ooh, yeah. Getting into it now. Uh, I'm going to name the, the match of the week, uh, Josh against Becker. Um, and that, that does seem like it's going to be a, a very important match. Um, I'm going to give you guys both a moment. Uh, the home team here, it looks like it is Josh. So, Becker, you'll be on the road for this one. Um, obviously, this is not a divisional matchup, but it is a uh, conference matchup. Um, so, uh, right now, Josh's team, uh, it's gotten a lot healthier than the last time we talked about it. Currently on the injured list, he still has Soroka. 
uh, and he's missing a bunch of his relief pitchers, but on the pitching side, it does resemble the team that it's supposed to. And actually he has no injured offensive players. So this team has gotten healthy and it's what we thought it would be. Um, we've already talked about your team a fair amount. So star, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, who are you taking next week in the Becker versus Josh matchup? So I'll, I'll just say, first off, um, I mean, I think this, it, it's weird to say this is a must win this early in the season, but I think this is a much bigger game for Josh and this for Becker um, who, you know, Josh is, Josh had a rough week this week. He's going to lose to Nate 9-3. Nate did not have a good week, and he's going to win 9-3. Um, and that puts Josh under 500. I think the pitching is, is going to be interesting in this matchup. I mean, I, saw, I played Josh last week. I, I, was, I saw what his pitching had to offer. The, the, depth, the, the staff really struggles with depth, and he, had some, he has to throw some bad pitchers to make innings. At least he did against me. And it really blew up in his face. And I think he needs to find some way to address the depth of that pitching staff. Or it could happen again. And, and as we've seen, Becker's pitching has been very good. I think the offenses are comparable to one another. Uh, I mean, if I, if I had to pick right now, I mean, I think Josh's team is maybe playing a little bit below its ability. But, I, you know, this seems like a, a matchup that may favor Becker. Becker, you Totally disagree. Yeah, this this one goes to Josh, unquestionably. I'll tell you why. Um, w- one, I may not make innings. You know, two, I got Nathan Evaldi maybe going twice. Um, three, his offense is deep, and I'm getting crushed by injuries. I just lost Travis Darnold. Uh, Miguel Sano is injured. Uh, I keep losing guys to like two day COVID stints. Um, so yeah, I, to be honest, I may win some pitching categories, especially if Scherzer only goes once, I think he's going to sweep offense and he'll win, you know, seven, five or something. Well, apparently, uh, these are not the droids we're looking for, according to Mr. Becker. Uh, (laughs) but I don't think anyone is actually believing that. So, um, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Uh, I wish you both luck. Uh, I, I definitely think that is the matchup of the week this week. Uh, it's the only one that stands out as being uh, two really above average squads at, the, at this time. Um, so uh, any final thoughts, guys, or should we wish the league happy hunting? Yeah, I, I, I think I'm good. Uh, we'll, we'll see you all again uh, what, on Mother's Day. Yeah, don't, don't forget, guys, next Sunday is Mother's Day. Yeah, I am going to just probably say that if I'm going to miss one, that'll be the one I miss. So you guys may be without me on that one, because uh, I think if I abandon my mother-in-law and my wife on Mother's Day to do a baseball podcast, I will lose something. I'm not quite sure what it'll be, but uh, it won't be good. So, um, but if it doesn't happen then with me, certainly you guys can run one and we'll figure it out. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers uh, and uh, good luck, guys. Appreciate it. See you guys. See you guys. Nice job. Baseball.